This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking the Banshees of Inisherin. Woo, sabu. No, 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 no. That's that's just what a Banshee does, right, Aaron? Wait a minute. I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello. How are you this evening? Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies, be a most spoiler for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topics. Episode. This is episode 514. 514? 514? I mean, that sounds like a robot, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yes. Model number 514. He's going to go destroy us all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe it didn't have a robot voice. Maybe it's just like a dude. It's, model number 514 is it? It's dude? me, 514. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Corey Hotline. <laughs> 514. We went, we got to it already. Uh, already at the Simpsons. <laughs> uh, what do we have? We're taught this week we're talking the Banshees of Inna Sharon. Uh, the latest film for director, writer Martin McDonough. And joining us to discuss these banshees we have from the outlet from outlets such as slash film in the av club someone who likes to chew the fat and maybe some fingers it's luke thompson <laughs> finger sandwiches always the best although i octopus fingers are the absolute best i oh. park, Chan, park chan wook got me into those the live uh, ones oh date so i had to say a prayer before he ate, ate like what three of them i think or, the, or just one was it just one for old boy i don't know but these these octopus fingers sound delicious <laughs> Well, I and guess it, you're not supposed to call them fingers because they're something came tentacles? out tentacles. Yeah, tentacles. Something yeah. came out about how they're they're not the actual fingers or they're okay. not the arms okay. or whatever. Well, I guess I I'll refrain know. from calling things chicken fingers too, even though they're like part of like the breastplate. Okay. We all know that the chickens have fingers; they just hide them in their waist. <laughs> That's so weird. Regardless, <laughs> Luke, how are you doing? <laughs> well, in Ireland, you grow up with fish fingers. <laughs> That's oh. all. Like Parents like, fish don't have fingers. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm actually craving fish fingers now. They're, I mean, they're called fish sticks over here in Ireland, right. fish fingers. But so you can't make the uh, Kanye West South Park joke over there and have anyone. <laughs> but uh, who would ever make jokes about Kanye? Beats me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yay. His legal since, name. <laughs> since he is one, nobody needs to make any more. Very but, true. But, uh, but no, Luke, uh, it is good to have you back here. Uh, I, I'm happy to get you on for yet another Irish film. I, I know we had you on for <laughs> Belfast as well, if I'm not mistaken. Did we? Did, I believe uh, so, yeah. Maybe I did, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, I, this I'm better equipped for because I never lived in the North, but I did live in uh, <laughs> the Republic. So there, well, there, there you go. go. Yeah, perfect. And I, you know, I almost thought I was like backing up my memories. Like, was the was the first episode he was on with us for um, three billboards of Mc, another McDonough film? But it wasn't. It was a week later. <laughs> you were on to talk Shape of Water and the Disaster Artist with us of all things. So, oh, was, okay. Yeah. Was that the first one? That oh. was the first one. Yeah, it was all around that time though. So I was in my mind, I was like. Was he on for the other McDonough? It's like, no, it was a week later. But still, it was right there. I know, anyway. I'm really always on with Todd, and Todd's now my editor, so I think you guys made that happen. So. <laughs> it all, yeah, it all works. That's how I we guess do. we can take all the credit, so yeah, you're welcome, Luke. That's how we do, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, good to have you here. Uh, we'll get to the movie and more in a bit. Let's go over some show notes real quick. First up, it is now November. Uh, mm-hmm. we've, we've left October, but that doesn't mean you cannot catch up with the several bonus horror-themed episodes we did all month long. Uh, we taught we we constructed some monster some uh, some monster squads, um, a hero horror squad. We talked about the Shinnin or the Shining, uh, <laughs> whatever works for you. Uh, we 
talked about we we talked about the evolution of horror movie posters, and we just recorded a commentary for Nosferatu in honor of its 100th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those are very fun. Um, a lot of a lot of fun guests as always. Lots of cool insight, lots of cool info, lots of good tangents and what have you. So be sure to check out those horror episodes. Those are a lot of fun. Yeah, um, it was really fun to do for sure. Um, what else? iTunes reads ratings, of course. If you like this show, if you want to find it on iTunes, you can do such a thing, and you can also give us a rating review, which would be wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much in advance. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It is award season, so there's plenty of films coming out. Generally on Thanksgiving, there's like a lot of films available to uh-huh. me and I to see, so um, stay tuned for whatever bonus episodes we come up with in addition to these regular episodes. I'm sure there's plenty of content that we will be able to put out in the weeks to come. This is true. Yeah. All right, so with all that said, let's move out of the way of that, and let's get into the way about no quickies. <laughs> Trademark. I didn't know it was in the way. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know where I was going with that. Was, it all no, worked out. I was like, wow, I didn't know that uh, out no quickies are always in our way. I yeah, feel well, bad for it now. With that in mind, each one of we without no quickies. Trademark. All right. Uh, Luke, let's start with you. What other movies have you seen recently? Oh, it's been a bunch. I literally just came back from Park Chan-wook's decision to leave, which is oh. awesome, as all his movies are. Great the night before, that, night before that, I saw Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and then before that, I saw Bardo, so it's been a busy... And Alcaraz, Sp- Spain's, Spain's Oscar nominee oh. this year. So, did you, did you like these films? What can you talk about, and what did you think of them? Uh, I can talk about all of them. I just don't oh, want to spoil any future episodes where you might be going more in depth. I think Bardo is fantastic, and I'm not wow. an Inuritu fan at all. Wow. I think this is his masterpiece. It's his version of Eight and a Half or Synecdoche, New York. It's a semi-autobiographical kind of fever dream. And unlike so many of his others, it has humor and self-effacement to it, which... I think a, a knock on him that I've had is that he tends to his films tend to feel very pompous and very cold, and that's mm. all gone from this one, mm. while still retaining all the things that are good about his work. So I was very happy with that. Uh, Del Toro's Pinocchio. Real, 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 real quick, real quick, Bardo. I know it was edited down from when it premiered at what Cannes or one of the film yeah. festivals. What? How long is it now? I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, it's still it's like two hours and forty minutes. Okay. Wow. Okay. So it, but it doesn't. You know, it doesn't feel it. I I watched that and then I watched Alcaraz the next day, which was like two hours, and mm-hmm. Alcaraz felt long. It's good, but it feels long. Um. Bardo didn't feel long to me. Every part of it felt essential to what it was telling. And I didn't know where it was going, and I was happy to let it take me there. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's very exciting to hear. I, I'm supposed to see that next week, I think. And yeah, I'm looking, I, I, I think like I'm a bigger Inarito fan than you are, but I'm still I'm looking forward to the, his new one regardless. So. I will say, I mean, it, it may be that it's targeted, it feels targeted more to me. It's about, you know, a middle-aged sort of journalist who has filmmaking aspirations and, uh, you know, similar kind of interests mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. hit me demographically in a way that some of his others haven't. So some of that may be the case. Did well, you I, stay for the credits? Because at the end there, it says for Luke Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> so. I did not. I wanted oh, to get oh, to the end. That's- yeah. See, see, I grew up as a fur trapper in the Pacific Northwest, so Revenant really spoke <laughs> oh, to <my> me. <laughs> you've, you've been finding those bears your whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that movie, The Edge, with Alec Baldwin and yeah, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, VHS cover. Yeah, I, um, uh, I, I was not involved with that. But that other movie uh, <laughs> with Luke Bart the Bear uh, was involved with that one. You must have mm. felt so targeted by Prey then. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> really in your wheelhouse. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's why I, I'm just I'm not big on certain Canadians. 
<laughs> Period. End of sentence. John Candy's so nice. everybody's favorite, though. So you gotta... uh, uh, enough of this silliness. So what did you think of, of Adultorous Pinocchio? <laughs> I didn't. I liked it. I didn't love it as much as some other people. I I'm a big like Pinocchio head. Like of the original book is. Oh, we should have had you on our commentary last month. You know, kind of, <laughs> kind of sacred to me, and nobody's quite gotten it perfect. Interesting. Uh, Not even Benini like... either time. Uh, the second, the, the Garone one with Benini is close. It's the closest. Hmm. Um, there are a couple hmm. of things. There are a couple of places they didn't want to go. Um, there's, you know, the the part where Lampwick gets beaten to death as a donkey, and that's why Pinocchio gets a job at the farm at the end is because the farm owner's donkey just died, and it was Lampwick. You know, that's pretty dark, and it didn't go there. The Benini one, the original Benini one, did go there. Hmm. Wow. Um, but Del Toro, I like that he just out and out is like, I have a take on this. This isn't the original. Um, right. So I I thought the musical aspect didn't work very well. The songs are not memorable to the point that when Pinocchio actually sings a parody of Geppetto's song, it doesn't register as such to me until Geppetto actually calls it out in his dialogue. Uh, and it's, then when it's it, weird that this is news to me that it has songs in it. Me too. Honestly. I didn't realize <laughs> that it was like a. a but I, I guess that it makes sense right when you said it. And I was like, I, yeah, I'm I not against this whatsoever. <laughs> it's just, oh, I did not, I didn't realize it was a musical. <laughs> well, it is, but they're very short. It's like Got they it. go for one verse, and that's why I think it feels like he sort of felt it should be a musical, but he didn't really want to go all in on it being a musical, and that. Uh. So it's so it's like Chiwetelogy for as Scar and the Lion King. It's like I guess yeah. I'm kind of sing it. <laughs> I'll sing tuck this. And the way the way you know some of the things are changed to become fascist things is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. To the point that when the giant sea monster comes up, I was sort of like, this feels obligatory. It might be more on theme if it were a giant Nazi submarine or something. Mm -hmm. And it suddenly feels like, oh, we're going back to the text for no particular reason than that we're going back to the text. It didn't. So that felt a little off, but I, you know, that said, it is a beautiful film. It is one I would recommend everyone would see. It's just that as a big Pinocchio fan, I thought there were a couple of things and it's super depressing, by the way. <laughs> the way sounds like Del Toro. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't want to, I really don't want to get into spoilers, but no, no, yeah. Fair. There are some super depressing things about this one. Well, um, I'm Sammy, looking forward to it. I am too. I mean, we're big Del Toro fans. And obviously, since he just introduced every single one of our episodes every week this past October, <laughs> little known fact, that's live uh, every week. He just wow, records a he, new he one. Wow, he came yeah, on it, every day. It, yeah, it may sound like it's just the same recording used over and over again <laughs> year after year, but it's not. He actually just, you know, he's in. actually he, such a good guy that if we asked him, he probably would do like one other take. I, don't, don't put this past me if I get some opportunity to do this. <laughs> I just play him tapes of our show. Be like, hey, you guess probably what? actually remember who you are. I mean, I've met him enough times now. He probably has recognized my face to yeah. some degree. But regardless, like, hey, that guy. I saw him. I play like our episodes on my iPhone. Be like, hey, remember when you did this? No. He's like, of well, course I do. That was July 20, 2017. It was like July 20 something, 2013, yeah. I think. But I mean, <laughs> Uh, but okay, cool. Uh, I'm just curious, Luke. Uh, did, did you did you what did you think of Zemeckis's take on Pinocchio? Um, that I thought that had an ending that was really botched. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. I, oh yeah. Like how how do you do? How do you even do that? I mean, I know they wanted an ending that would make sequels, but it's like you you do Sleeping Beauty and you say, well, I don't know if she ever woke up. Some people say <laughs> she did. Um, I. 
there were things I liked about it. And yeah, one actual thing the two have in common, which I think works in one and doesn't in the other, in a Disney Pinocchio, it's creepy as hell that Geppetto has a dead kid and he's making a puppet to resemble him. Mm-hmm. In Del Toro's Pinocchio, when Geppetto is just in a drunken rage and pissed off at God for having killed his kid with a with a you know allied bomb or whatever mm-hmm. and he's just drunk and he's making this grotesque caricature out of wood and then he passes out and the next day it wakes up and it's a kid that works in a del toro movie it that doesn't does sound more interesting yes. <laughs> yeah it actually sounds much more effective yeah. <laughs> so um i you know i liked uh who was it keegan michael key is honest john i was hoping for neil patrick harris in that role but i thought he's you know, I thought he sang Hi Diddle Dee Dee great. Um, I agree, yeah. And uh, Julia, my wife, called this out. They, The voice of Pinocchio kept changing. It was like the kid's voice broke at some point, and they looped in. We're talking about the Zemeckis voices. one, right? I yeah. don't know if you guys yeah. noticed that, but yeah, he John Connor. And she hated, <laughs> she hated the way he acted. Um, Stout yeah. just thought he was really poorly directed. Um, so and you're I glad thought, it didn't go to theaters and you sat on Disney+. Plus yeah well either way i had to see it so <laughs> right. it doesn't really matter much i i thought joseph gordon levitt sounded like a person doing an impersonation of an old man rather than an old man I would, honestly i thought i would have put jeff foxworthy in that role <laughs> i think <he's> <laughs> have, have him throw in a little joke yeah yeah you great. might be a yeah. cricket when right uh, wink to right. the camera well, I, mean, I mean they had enough winks to the camera with like the chris pine joke and things like they that did, yeah but, which killed it just slayed people across the i nation. think everybody paused and started laughing out loud in unison yeah there well, that there's reaction videos to, to just that joke <laughs> I, I hope that there isn't <laughs> i will say when they had the cuckoo clocks julia was just like if they make those we are getting those <laughs> the toy story one yeah they, oh, they're all what i i you know I, I don't need it, but I didn't mind it. I thought you were going to say, like, you know, I love cuckoo clocks, Abe. And I was like, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's that thing I, you know. I've never me. seen a collection in your home. <laughs> Any Anything else new that you saw, Luke? Uh, well, let's see. There was also uh, Decision to Leave, like I said, is Park Van mm-hmm. Luke, um, which I really like because it, for like an hour and a half, I thought, okay, this is like primo 80s, 90s Joe Esterhaus. And then it keeps going. It's like, what if Basic Instinct, instead of ending, had just kept going and we'd have to see the entire ramifications for another hour, mm-hmm. as opposed to the actual Basic Instinct sequel, which was terrible. And instead of making it like explicit, it's more like lots of implications and just well-filmed sequences. Yeah, because Park flat out said recently, I had, you know, I took out the extreme violence and sex in my movies so other people would actually come watch them. <laughs> oh. Um, so that, you know, that was cool. And Alcaraz is, like I said, it felt long, but it's, a, it's you know, it's a decent enough movie. It's a bunch of non-actors who rehearsed a lot to play a farm family in uh, Catalan, where they're playing a family who lives among, among a bunch of peach groves, makes a living peach picking, and a new company's coming in and turning it into solar panel land, and the farmers don't want to train in the maintenance of solar panels, because... They're like, oh, the solar panels burn my hands. And it's just kind of, you know, two hours of watching that change progress. So um, is it good. It is good. Um, so it, it sounds like that sounds actually kind of like the small indie story I generally like. So I'm, yeah. that's like Spain's entry. I'm like, that's actually sounds pretty interesting. It's not a movie where a lot happens, but it's all sort of in the small. What it does really well is 
it tells the story from a lot of different points of view without calling attention to that fact. So you get some scenes that are, it's a large family and you get some scenes from the point of view of pretty much every member of the family at some point. Mm -hmm. And that is something you don't see done very well or very effortlessly a whole lot. Very cool. All right. Right. Uh, Abe, what else, what have you seen recently? I've seen a couple things that I want to talk about. First of all is See How They Run. This is on HBO Max now, and it's a movie that it came out maybe like two months ago. Yeah, Aaron September. talked about this very briefly, yeah. um, and we talked about the trailer. I, I I would agree that it is it is fairly innocuous, but it's also like very just bland. Um, I think that there's actually really a lot of really good things out of this movie. Production design, costume design. The filming to some degree is actually really good too. The editing is really fun. You know, the coloring of, of uh, the the color palette that the guy chooses is really good. But I think that in their in their quest to maybe be different slash funny, um, it it kind of just becomes very much like any other murder mystery, but just not as interesting. Um, it's kind of a bummer because there, there's a tremendous cast here. And they actually do some really meta things like having Agatha Christie show up in, in parts of the movie. But it also just is not very good in that, you know, the mystery aspect of it is just not very engrossing. And then the whodunit aspect of it is just not, it's almost like non-present. It's not present. Like, you know, you have Sam Rockwell kind of going around uh, saying lines with um, uh, Saoirse Ronan and it, it, he doesn't really have anything of interest to say, you know, he, he's just saying lines and it's kind of a bummer. So it's on HBO max. I, I mean, if you want to check it out, feel free to. Um, but again, I think there's actually other things aside from the story, which is unfortunate that really make this movie worth watching again, just from the, the technical aspect of things. So it's kind of a shame. As you, as you might recall, like I, I thought Ronan was very good in her role, but Sam yes, Rockwell just that. seemed Miss like almost miscast like I just he didn't seem to like jive with whatever the film was going for which mm-hmm. was unfortunate and I they even give him like two like no pants scenes and that's like a, a Rockwell treat but nothing <laughs> nothing happens so yeah um and I'll, again it, it takes you on a few twists and turns that are just not very interesting either um but with all that being said I do I did watch um the Roku original, the Weird Al Yankovic story. Oh, good, because I watched this too. Yeah, and this is fantastic. <laughs> like, what a fun, farcical movie that is like comedy bang, bang, dream, you know, funny or die dream, uh, all these like comedy troops that, that make uh, funny movies. It, it's such a, a hilarious take on Weird Al Yankovic's life. And I love almost every aspect of it. Like, is it going to win any award? Probably not. But is it highly rewatchable? I'm sure that it will be. Like, I, I just wish that it actually had come out in theaters because the soundtrack is probably great, but it was just really fun and, and such a, an active movie to be engaged with. Um, Daniel Radcliffe is killing it. Like, he's just so fun in these roles where he's asked to be wonky and weird. Um and then again, there's a whole bunch of cameos uh, at a pool party, which is so fun to watch. But I think where they go with the story is just so ridiculous and you know off the beaten pathway that it's actually better than some actual uh, biographical movies like um, the Queen movie 
Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. Or even like uh, some other, like even Elv- Elvis was like okay, had some cool parts in it, but you know, it's it still is what Aaron and I sort of term as like Wikipedia style movies. And I just love that this movie, I think Weird Al and Daniel Radcliffe had talked about this in press where they're just saying like, I watched the notorious B.I.G. movie and that took a lot of like liberties with with uh, this historical fact uh, uh, character uh, person. And so I just wanted to also just do a really weird off the rails movie. And it certainly goes that way. And it, it's all the better for it. So those are two movies that I'd watch. One of them I'd, I'd recommend you go check out if you have a Roku device. Or as Weird Al has said over the internet, uh, if you don't have a Roku device and you can't really get it, just torrent it. So <laughs> how does one see it? Do you have do you have to have a special device to see this movie? Or if you have like a Roku player, if you have, if you have a Roku, it is free. It'll play on its channel. If you yeah. don't, there are you can still like download the Roku like ch- like the Roku is like an app. You can still yes, download right. it and you can sign up for. I believe just free and just play it. Should be free, yeah. So does it have ads in it or just at yes. the beginning? I, I did have ads in mind. There's almost like commercial breaks, like a minute and a half. Yeah. But you know, it's it's totally fine. Like they, they cut it in right places. Okay. It it is because I, I watch it as a screener and you can see where the commercial breaks are. <laughs> like it's very much structured <laughs> around that, which is right. like I guess that's okay. Like it, it planned it. So that's right. Interesting. I will say I I I agree. People should watch this movie. It is fun. I am not against fun. I think the joke to laugh ratio is quite strong. Mm-hmm. I do wish it was weirder. I I do okay. feel like there's room for we- more weirdness that it didn't quite like. Like for every good thing with like, I don't know, Colombian drug lords or a polka <laughs> party, I, there's other bits that just feel like they're dragged out a bit too much. Where it's like, I hey, just go, just be weird, just be, be mm-hmm. keep going weird, be more, be more UHF. Um, I can see I, what you're saying. I do think Radcliffe is great in this movie. Um, I, I think he very much holds this together just by the sheer force of nature he is as far as treating this entirely seriously. And I I like how bizarre, again, I like the weirdness, how especially mm-hmm. towards like the end as far as what it's doing. When it comes to like musical parody, I just really like Walk Hard so much where I'm like, well, yes, yeah, I, I, I did got, not compare to that. I'm in yeah. this territory already, and I've I've seen that done quite well from a major studio. So like the lower budget Roku equivalent, I I like I'm not as high on, but again, it's absolutely fun. Like it's super funny. Right. I I do not not recommend this movie. I so I feel like I'm a a bit at odds where I'm like. I, I'm trying to keep like my my reaction uh, in check as far as yeah. how much I like this movie, but it's still certainly worthwhile. I agree. Yeah, I, I, let me just quickly add that I would say that there are parody movies, you know, beyond music parody movies, that are very good that this one doesn't really amount or live up to. And again, something I think about all the time is um, they came together, which is mm. very underseen, but that is such a good rom com spoof far- farcical type movie as well. Mm-hmm. Almost as if it's its own character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I saw Weird as well. I watched a few other things. Um, one is Causeway. This is the new oh, Apple. Okay. It's the new Apple. Oh, drama. I saw that one too. Yeah. yeah. It's with uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry was very much the thing that got me to watch it because I'm like, oh, he has a movie. Cool. Uh, and Lawrence is in here too. All right. I, they're, you know, they're good actors. Um, the movie as a drama, it's it's solid. Like it's what I like is that there's a way for this to work as like a kind of standard Sundance drama, and I think it knows how to avoid certain tropes to enough of a degree where I just appreciated it as a 
character study that features two effective performances. Mm-hmm. Luke, how do you feel about Cosway? Without spoiling, I loved the way it ended so much that I was sort of like, oh, it was building up to this? Excellent. I could agree. I really like oh. where it goes in the long run. So, Who yes. directed this? Uh, it's a first-time director. Oh, first I know time. that. Wow. Um, job. I just had it up. Uh, Lila Newberg, Newbauer, Newbauer. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was a it's a it's a, it's a solid it's a solid drama. Okay, great. Um, I watched The Wonder. Um, this is an upcoming period drama coming to Netflix. It's in theaters, some theaters now. It stars Florence Pugh. It's a it's based on a novel from the same author as Room, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, another Irish movie. By the it way. is another. Yeah, I, I watched this last night after I saw Banshees again with my dad. <laughs> so I had, a, I had an Irish day, apparently. Uh, it's about a nurse in the uh, early 19th century who goes to, yeah, a, she's a, an English nurse. She goes to a small community in Ireland um, to deal with a a child who has not eaten for four months and is somehow living fine. Um nice we don't know why and she's investigating what's going on here it works as kind of a psychological thriller to an extent mm-hmm. i really like the atmosphere and the score of this movie i think florence Pugh is very good the young actress playing the little girl is also very good i wish it had more to offer like i still think it's good i think it's worthwhile but i it just feels like it comes up short in how to better deliver on what it's doing okay but it's i mean there's plenty of good stuff in it so take that as you will um i watched she said um i don't know if we'll do, talk more about this later on so i'll just leave this it is the that. weinstein movie this is the weinstein movie yeah. i saw that i we might talk about that later on so i'll just leave okay. that for now um but i watched <laughs> i watched a movie called soft and quiet luke do you know this movie um not offhand but okay. if you start talking about it, i may have <laughs> so this is <laughs> sometimes i be, forget the titles so it's, it's gonna be tricky to describe this one because i don't want to spoil an aspect of it but i'll say this it is about a teacher who goes to a a gathering of other like-minded women um, and they begin talking about things and then it proceeds to follow them throughout their night. It is all shot in one continuous take. Uh-huh. Um, whether or not there's edits, I'm not sure, but it's constructed to be like real time, basically. So it takes place over like 90 minutes. And mm-hmm. <laughs> without giving away what it is these women are all centered around, it's nothing good. <laughs> um, and... The film is designed to just make you feel entirely uncomfortable watching them kind of act the way they do as far as their privilege and their beliefs are concerned, uh, which come, becomes more complicated when they interact with someone that this, the main character, the teacher, already knows, and then the night becomes like dis, like disastrous. It's kind of it's described as like a horror movie, and it's I mean it is in a way I guess it's a thriller, but like. It's horror in a way where it's very realistic as far as the things that are going on. I don't know how vague this is, if that's making this intriguing in any way. I'm very intrigued. <laughs> I will say it made me, it, it was very, like, especially, it gives you like 10 minutes to just kind of get settled with the rhythm of the movie and like uh-huh. understand that there's something going on. But then you get a reveal as to what it is that's brought these characters together. And you're like, oh, it's, this is the thing. And, yeah. <laughs> and it just, for the you know the preceding eighty minutes, it's just I'm just sitting here feeling entirely uncomfortable, which is the desired effect of the movie because any decent person um, should obviously be repelled by the actions, words, and what sure. have you these characters are going through. I mean, what, what are, where did you watch it, this? It reminds me of Mass. The way you're describing it is that mm-hmm. anything close? 
uh, I mean, Matt, because Mass is very contained. Where this, and even yeah. this is not like it's not super high in scope because it is one shot. But I mean, sure. it's Mass is more. I'll say this: Mass has two sides. I think right. That's is that yeah. a fair way to put it? There, yeah, there are people on enough. opposing sides. Yeah, this is the movie is placing you into the perspective of all of a bunch of people that have one side, and you as the viewer naturally and ideally disagree with what their sure. thing is okay so it's it's deliberately trying to provoke and make you upset and it's successful i just never want to see this movie <laughs> that's <laughs> what what a mark it's called soft and quiet it's soft in and theaters quiet. and on vod now i believe so fascinating okay yeah um i watched neil marshall's latest movie the lair um mm-hmm. this is i was hoping a return to form as far as it's a lower budget it's not the descent, but it's about uh, it's about a uh, a person in the, the Middle East. There's pl- their plane gets downed, and she kind of gets into a firefight. Has to be is forced to go into this underground cave area where there's something down there. Right. Um, the first twenty minutes of this thing are like cool Neil Neil Marshall doing crazy stuff. It's like that the violence has the impact that you expect from a Neil Marshall kind of movie. The terror mm-hmm. is there because there's things lurking in the dark. You don't know what to expect, and it's like this is cool. Then after that, they get back to the surface and it opens things up and there's still threats and what have you, but it becomes less tight uh, as far as that goes. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, the guy that made the descent made a claustrophobic classic where this movie is lesser than. So it's like, "Eh, that's a shame because I I was I was really liking where it's going. And I love the poster, (laughs) which is just this like monster face. Um, (laughs) But uh, ultimately, it didn't work out too well for me. Keep that in mind for uh, when we circle back around to, to horror movie posters. Yes, I will. Yeah, it's, it's a good monster poster. Uh, last thing I'll mention, it was Godzilla Day this past week. It's correct. Godzilla's yeah. 68th birthday um, on th- on Thursday, the, the November 3rd. He looks uh, so young. So, yeah, I know he, he keeps he keeps in shape uh, depending <laughs> on the Godzilla. Um, but for a fathom event, something I'm reluctant to do. But hey, so every now and then you got to just submit. They put out Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla in theaters for one night only. Uh, for those that are unaware of Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, uh, this is the one where the <laughs> the, the Japan has a, a, a special forces unit that has been full of researchers and scientists and army and what have you. Uh, mm-hmm. They've gone to the bottom of the ocean where the original 1954 Godzilla was destroyed, and they've taken the bones to construct a new Mecha Godzilla to go Whoa. against the current Godzilla that is attacking. Um, so it's one of those old stories. Um, I've seen this one before. Obviously, I've seen all these Godzilla movies, but uh, it's an entertaining one. It, it it has a very strong lead character, which is not always the case for Godzilla movies. Um, Empathetic? It has, it's just more of like, there's a key character you follow, and it's like, oh, okay. that's cool. Uh, and the action's solid because it's Godzilla versus a mecha guy. This is from the Millennium series from 2002, I believe. So it's you know more recent than you know the older ones. So like there's a lot of cool just Godzilla fights or what have you. Uh, so yeah, I, I like this. It's it's in the I think the mid tier of my overall Godzilla ranking. But as you know, as you know, I'm a huge Godzilla fan. So seeing oh I know it seeing a movie like this on the big screen, which it's never played officially in America um, for the first time. That was cool. I, I enjoy. I enjoyed my time with that. So. Okay. So no figurine that you're going to purchase. <laughs> Not any new ones that I don't already have. Um, right. <laughs> but um, it's a fun time. <laughs> See Godzilla movie like that in the theater. Uh, and the, you know, and for the fathom of it, they actually played the um, they played a fan film. It's like a five minute short that's Godzilla versus Hedorah, aka the Smog Monster. Uh-huh. Um, that was made, I think, like 
not too long ago, but it's just cool to see because I've seen this on YouTube. And it's like, oh, they put it on the big screen. Cool for that guy. Cool for that like filmmaking nice. team. Yeah. They're, like, they're cool short. To... It would have been great if it was like a 15-year-old that made it. Like, I'm famous now. It's funny because they actually showed the making of after because both they're both like five minutes. And it's like, you know, a bunch of adults that just really okay. don't <laughs> so it's still, But it's still like, good for them. Yeah, <laughs> get, get on them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's enough quickies. Great, Mark. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk for the new for the week. We talk about one of the newest movie trailers, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, what have you. This week we're talking Violent Night. This is an upcoming black comedy action film featuring David Harbour as Santa Claus, who is going up against a group of mercenaries led by John Leguizamo, uh, who are going after a trying to rob a, a state of a wealthy family on Christmas Eve. Uh, here's my question to you guys because I want to know what, what you think of this trailer but also when I initially turned this on my thought was oh David Harbour's just dressed as Santa Claus and he's going to like get into action scenes it's produced, it's produced by David Leach among others mm-hmm. uh, and it's directed by Tommy Fercola who did um, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters and the Dead Snow movies or what have you oh wow so, okay so, I didn't know that so I thought this was just going to be like stay, like action except the guy's dressed as Santa Except the movie is he's just actually Santa. Actually Claus. is Santa. Yeah. So my thought, my my question to you guys and to, to Luke first, would are you excited by this? Based, are you excited on this to begin with? And does it make you more or less excited that it's actually the real Santa Claus, not just a person dressed as Santa Claus? I am actually interested uh, because I mean I didn't see the Mel Gibson one that was basically the same thing by the sound of it, but <laughs> I did think looking at the poster it was going to be more like the bill goldberg uh, christmas santa sleigh <laughs> yeah uh, i thought i thought oh it's an evil he's an evil santa claus then i watched it it's like oh he's a good santa claus fighting terrorists uh which i thought okay interesting twist my one concern is it looks like he has all his magic powers so where's the jeopardy and i assume they'll throw that in somehow but uh other than that it looks interesting enough uh i'm 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 down to see where it goes. Uh, one thing that did strike me, I was as I was driving towards Hollywood and Highland um, for one of these other screenings. They have two two posters. There was Violent Night, and then there was uh, Stallone's new TV show. Uh-huh. Stallone's new TV show has big Stallone at the top. Violent Night, nowhere on it does it say David Harbor, even though the entire poster is David. <laughs> and I thought he needs a better agent because they ought if they're selling it on his face, they ought to be saying like who it is. Yeah, like I believe the Nobody poster had Bob Odenkirk on it. I mean, like it should, even they're both David Leach productions. Or I believe they want you to believe that it's actually Santa Claus in this movie, guys. Come on, possibly. possibly I can, maybe so. maybe that it, maybe that is it. Maybe they don't want kids <laughs> to be alarmed by the fact that some other person is playing right. Santa Claus. <laughs> it, that, well, you get to reading it, level, and you're just it, like, what is this? In that case, in that case, it's just it should just say Santa Claus. <laughs> Yeah. Santa Claus in Violent Night. Well, Abe, what do you think? Are you excited for this movie? So here's the thing. Um, this will answer both your questions as well. When I first saw this poster, uh-huh. uh, and I was like, okay, well, you know, that's clearly David Harbour in a Santa Claus doom. Like, I can't believe that they're going to make him like, I don't even know what this is. Like, this looks kind of rid- ridiculous and dumb. And let me just throw on the trailer because, you know, we love watching trailers here. And we, we sometimes give awards to trailers at the end of the year. Um, and I'm watching this trailer and I was like, oh, he actually is Santa Claus. Oh, it's from this guy who's associated with all these John Wick and Mr. Er, and nobody. And also uh, what was the one with uh, uh, Shirley Theron? Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde. So it's like it's it's one of those movies uh, where basically they get a, a character that you already or a, an, an actor that you already like 
and they just start making them do some some really cool like gun foo type stuff. And when you find out that it actually is headquarters, I was like, this is actually a better premise than I thought it was. <laughs> this is this actually makes me intrigued to watch this movie. Like Luke, though, if they give him magic powers and like a magic uh, a sack with presents, how where like where does the where does like the um, you know uh, additional plot come in? Um, but with all that being said, I I dug the trailer. I dig that he's kind of still being a nice guy, and he's got to like earmuff these kids while he's saying cuss words. But he's he's doing some some stuff to them. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised by this trailer and by the the thought of just Santa Claus kind of going a little bit harder than he needs to. <laughs> yeah, let's I, check it out. <laughs> I feel like someone was pissed off that they lost an argument about Die Hard being a Christmas movie. So he was like, <laughs> I'm going to make the Die Hard Christmas movie, bitches. Yeah. So I was How wrong. you, Aaron? I was wrong. The Nobody trailer is pretty much the same as this one. It just has tagline at the top and the title at the bottom with Bob Bodekirk's face in the middle. Yeah, with getting punched, right? But I guess Universal just has, because it's a Universal movie. They're both Universal movies. I guess they just yeah. have their, I mean... Nobody quadrupled its budget, so I mean they're doing something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, um, I yes, I'm excited for this in the in the realm of. I was intrigued by the fact that it's actually just magical Santa Claus <laughs> as opposed to guy in suit. <laughs> right. um, I like David Harbor. I like John Leguizamo. Like that's a lot of pluses to be right there. I I I've seen a few of Tommy Bercola's films, and I like them to varying degrees. I hope. I just hope like the action delivers like and that extends to what Luke you're saying as far as well if he has magic powers how hard can this be for him I hope that leads to creative outlets for him to use said magic in the realm of a John Wick style action movie (laughs) so um, I I don't know what to expect but I hope I I, I'd like to think that it'll at least be fun so yeah great violent night opens in theaters December 2nd Uh, this this coming this coming December. So, all right, that's out of the way. Let's move on. Let's get to it. Let's get to our main review for The Banshees of Anna Sharon. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. When you didn't do anything to me, I just don't like you no more. Did you like me yesterday? Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey's shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey's shite. It was me pony's shite, which shows how much you were listening. If you don't stop talking to me... Colin! And if you don't stop bothering me, I have a set of shears at home. And each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears and I'll take one of my fingers off with them. And I'll give that finger to you until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. But shush like, Polly. You know, shush like. Yeah, I'd shush like. That should have been some of the trailer for The Banshees of Anna Sharon. In the past few decades, Martin McDonough has gone from a celebrated playwright to a celebrated filmmaker, receiving a variety of awards, including multiple Oscar nominations and a win for his live-action short, Sharpshooter. He's trafficked largely in absurdist dark humor, which has led to his latest film, The Banshees of Anna Sharon. Stepping back from a modern setting, this feature is set in 1923 during the Irish Civil War and focuses on two longtime friends, Patrick and Colm, except Colm has decided he no longer wants to be friends with Patrick. What follows is an attempt to understand why, which leads to a violent ultimatum if one persists in bothering the other. 
Luke, I'm curious, have you been a fan of what McDonough has offered on the big screen? And what do you think of this film? Uh, generally, yes, I have been a fan. I was expecting this to be a lot funnier, even in a dark sense. I found it a very, very depressing and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a real indictment of the lack of mental health care in Ireland, <laughs> among other things. <laughs> um, I, I was I'm sort of hoping there would be that even in a dark sense, there'd be more laughs, but I found it really, really sad and just more delving into depression than most of his stuff. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about because nobody is talking about this is the way that the title is a triply redundant joke. And I, I posted this on social media and I said, if anyone uses this credit me, but, uh, Inisharan, first of all, is not a real island because mm -hmm. it actually means in Irish, Island, Ireland, which <laughs> Ireland is an island. Um, they're not going to call an island off the coast of it, Island, Ireland. And banshees are inherently Irish because it comes from the Irish Banshee, which means woman of the fairy world. So I'm the so title glad means... we have you on this podcast. <laughs> I've learned so much already. <laughs> the title means the Banshees of, I of Island, Ireland, which is, you know, you could just call it Banshees, really. But it's pretty clever, the, Martin McDonough. <laughs> but it is part of the plot that Gleason's character didn't choose the name for any particular meaning just because he liked the <laughs> the S H sound twice. <laughs> so that is that is kind of part of it. But also, I think the redundant joke sort of ties into everything as well. And you know, because of anglicization, you do get a little of this in Ireland, where you know you'll see in a, an English language tour book, Inishmore Island, for example, where you know that literally means big island island um so there you know i just wanted to get that off my chest because Good. i haven't read oh, any great. review Thanks. that has mentioned any of that and in ireland i'm sure they all will but you know not a lot of people speak irish unless you were raised in ireland in which case it was mandatory uh, so that's my little contribution there and i think it's interesting that carrie condon denies any kind of tie to the irish civil war so much because as an allegory it no, it's, it's more it's more it's a denial of the, the idea that mcdonough started with the war and went backwards it's, it's ah got it because he started with the he started with the friends and then added that framing on later because it sort of works that you had the war for independence and then all of a sudden in the civil war the people who were friends on one side are suddenly not friends anymore mm -hmm. yet still the overriding authority of the uk they will unite against in the same way these two friends will still unite against the local cop who's an asshole and the authority <laughs> figure. Right. Um, so there is that much of an allegory at play there. Uh, for me, I, I've seen friends argue about this, the nature of the self-mutilation and whether that's believable. And I'm, I accept that maybe it's not, but I think this is going deep into mental illness in a way that, could go there um so i'm i'm sort of agnostic on whether that's a realistic step or a step too far some people think it it's the sort of thing that works on a stage but not as literalized in a movie i don't know what do you guys think about that without necessarily spoiling more than we've seen in the trailer that actually that gets to my thoughts on the film because i for him for mcdonough being a playwright this actually felt of his films the most like a theatrical production it just happens to look fantastic because it's shot really well from ben davis so it's it's like it's a it's a very cinematic film but in terms of like the way it utilizes aspects that would probably work on the stage i do think something like the threat of mutilating oneself i the what results of that i think could easily work as but you know in the dialogue as well as 
you know stage actions um that we would see uh in in that capacity so it's like i i i'm willing to go along with that just because i mean it's a movie it's it's supposed to be stylized right. to some degree i'm not expecting this to take place in some kind of real i mean there's a literal banshee in this movie so it's like how, what am i supposed to discard as far as realistic what else did you think about the movie Aaron? um i enjoyed it a lot um i'm a big fan of mcdonough's films overall um i I guess I mean I I, I am I, I like all I like all of his movies quite a bit, um, and this one is no different. It it has uh, these two wonderful performances at the center here with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. I they were obviously great together in In Bruges. It's nice to see them together again here. I Farrell has been just like having a ball this year and doing a variety of different kinds of work, right. and I like here he plays this like dopey needy guy who slumps his shoulders down because he's depressed that his friend doesn't want to be with him anymore and it's like i i like it's such a endearing type of character yet i can see where colm is coming from to some degree despite the fact that the film is positioned against him but regardless gleason makes his character just wonderfully rich just by him being a great actor and bringing out the qualities in him despite us i feel like we know less about him than we do patrick um, but I, I just think they're both really great here. And then you have this, you know, these supporting players of Kerry Condon and Barry Keegan, also very good. Uh, I like the way the story incorporates them. I like the way the dialogue allows them to have this kind of, there's a sense of rhythm when it comes to McDonough's film and dialogue. And I, I, I appreciated how it works here with the, with, between the four of these people. I like the way the community is involved here. Like it's, again, it's, really well shot so it's like seeing these different disparate elements come together as far as the writing goes and the filmmaking is concerned i i you know i just had a lot of a lot of positivity coming out of like the experience of taking in this movie and then when yes when you consider the things that are being addressed here when it comes to you know the natures of friendship or the nature of being lonely where you have four characters that all seem to be dealing with this kind of thing Mm -hmm. there's I think a lot of interest there that I was intrigued by and continue to like to think about. Um, so yeah, I just, I, you know, McDonough hasn't struck out for me as of yet and he continues to do just do great work here. But how about you, Abe? What a beautiful movie. You know, I, I think that this is a beautiful movie in the themes that it's, it, that it's approaching, but also just the way that it looks, you know, from the score, um, it really runs the the spectrum of emotion here. Like it's funny, it's silly, it's very somber, it's sad and tragic at times, and it it can get kind of dark. You know, we we've talked about this mental illness, like this depression in the movie. They call it despair, um, and they Carrie Condon's character kind of addresses it directly by saying like everybody in Ireland is so like up and like in their despair, but never never wants to talk about anything. Um, and I think that the adding of the Irish Civil War in the background. It's not even like the main element. Like you could you could use it as an allegorical figure for sure. Um, but it actually just adds more to what you're seeing on the screen. It, it it's pretty uh, cool how McDonough's court incorporated this historical thing, but maybe sized it down to these friendships, or it could just be a movie about the friendship, you know, just falling apart, you know. And it, it's very. We talked about Tar last week, and I kind of got sort of the same impressions, although not not identical in terms of how much I. I thought about the different meanings behind uh, Banshees, but mm-hmm. you know, Banshees, you, you can think of it as like Brendan Gleeson's character obviously has this need to create and to, to want to be remembered. Uh, but again, if you just watch it through as a, as a movie, it's just like, 
just this guy going through like this hard time, maybe like a midlife uh, three quarters life crisis kind of thing. Um, but beyond that, you know, technically speaking, interior lighting this movie is, is incredible yeah it's like yeah. It, it's just so good like you know the the seeps of either sunlight or like you know key lights or what have you just coming in through the windows like everything in in the inside is incredible um the costumes in here i don't know who did the costumes but kudos because because these sweaters are are great um and then the acting which we'll get to but you know everybody here is an a for sure um you know, Farrell, I want to talk more about his career. Uh, Gleason, again, he's been bringing gravitas to his roles for quite a while now, and, and this role is no different. Carrie Condon, like, everybody's an A. I'd probably say Carrie Condon, whenever she's on the screen, is an A+. Like, she's bringing a lot of it, and I wouldn't be surprised if she got some some heavy awards recognition uh, come down the line. But, yeah, this movie, it, it gave me uh, a lot to think about. It was, it was funnier than I anticipated it being. Um, even though McDonough, I know he has, like, dark humor anyway, but so you thought it was funny? It was, yeah, it was funny because mostly because like I was expecting this tale of of again depression and despair. Um, and while I know that McDonough usually has like some really dark humor in his stuff, including the example being like Woody Harrelson leaving this death note, um, you know, for Francis McDormand in Three Billboards. Um, it's like yeah, I, I think that there was just some laugh out loud moments. Like I, I'm thinking specifically in this movie. Um, a scene where where uh, Cole Brendan Gleeson's character is talking to a priest, um, and they just get into like this shouting match. Um, but in any case, there's yeah, a there's a I, there's I like an exchange movie. that that keeps going back in my mind where where it's between him and and Podrick, and he's and Podrick's like it takes two to tango. I don't want a tango, but you dance with your dog. <laughs> but you dance with your dog. <laughs> Luke, I just I just want to be clear. You, I you've expressed that it, it was darker and more dramatic than you were anticipating, but did you did you like the film? I yeah, I think overall I did. It was just it, it made me so, feel so depressed. Okay. That was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, with the with his other ones, I always the the laugh sort of dominated. And it's interesting because you have these Irish ones. There's there's so many weird family connections to my work for him because in Bruges, like my grandfather during world war ii was in a german dungeon in bruges mm-hmm. and then three billboards was shot in the small town that i went to high school in so there's <laughs> all these weird connections and you, and you, and really yeah he's reading your wikipedia and making movies about your life and you used, to, mur- no you used to murder psychopaths as a side job for a living so. <laughs> it drives me crazy there I, reference on <laughs> I reference on wikipedia a lot but anyone anytime someone tries to make an actual page for me it gets taken down so oh. that maybe that can be his next That's because we're not I, contributing a dollar i <laughs> indeed i do want to say i think barry kagan is phenomenal it's one of those performances that yeah. like when i saw dustin hoffman in rain man i sort of stop and go wait was he really like this all along and i just never noticed yeah. uh, this feels like it's really him and i know it's not because i've you know i've seen him in eternals which i love and i you know never never once unless you sort of consciously bring it to the fore do you say this is the penguin and the joker hanging out you know <laughs> they are so unlike that but they are the penguin and the joker from earlier this year so it's it's bring that up real quick because you mentioned already dustin sure. hoffman and i i figure this is the case but he's on the spectrum correct the dominant character like that's that's my that was my takeaway with him well right? i don't i don't know if i don't know what the diagnosis of him is he's obviously not quite right yeah. um I just figured, like, they call him the village idiot, and, like, yeah, I mean, perhaps he is, but also I just kind of take him as, like, he's just ultra-sheltered and just, like, that's 
all it's the a mix of like known. sheltered and the whatever his dad's doing to yeah, him. Yeah, that that was weird. Mixed but... with being, you know, he's outgoing, but just to, you know, he does. You know, he doesn't have a filter. I think um, he is supposed to be mentally handicapped in some way, but I like, don't think it's in the physical performance as well. And I'm yeah. not trying to like stereotype or do yeah. anything of that nature. It's just more of he's clearly delivering on something that's more than just he's a regular yeah. guy. Like that's interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah, that certainly is like a possibility. He's undiagnosed something, but it goes along with you know you have other you know column undiagnosed you know depression and Kagan's character is undiagnosed something. I don't I don't want to I don't know if you can nail it down as autism, but there's there's something going on in his brain that works yeah. differently. Fair enough. There, there are eight seasons of the Monk where they never diagnosed him, so I don't need one movie to tell me of <laughs> Dominic. Uh, but I, but I, but I mean, you're you're talking about that, and and in terms of like all of these characters and the kind of the state of mind that they're in, or whatever else is going on with them, I do like that McDonough's crafted a film that very much does have to do with mental illness without outright saying it. In the same way mm-hmm. that the Civil War is factoring in, but we don't need like you know ten minutes to go into the politics of the time. It's more of, you know, seasoning on the movie in that regard. And in this regard, right. it's more of thematically, we're clearly supposed to be understanding that these characters, you know, they're people, but they certainly have issues within their own lives and that extend, out, you know, outwardly as well. And that right. makes them just more layered and, you know, interesting, messy characters opposed to just people saying lines. It does make the mutilation kind of weird that it goes completely counter to his stated goals, though. Um, right. Like you uh, think, he, you think he would reason. mutilate himself in another way to make a point if his goal is to be playing the fiddle. Yeah, that's kind of where I, I kind of you know took your both your points about well, if this was a stage play, like there's there's much more in terms of um, symbolism. Uh, it's probably more symbolic than anything else, right? You know, of course, there's a physical handicap uh, nature of it, but yeah, it's a movie and they've got to make a point. And well, I I, I, I still point. I still think it. I don't think we should be worried about spoilers for at this point. I'm not going to go into everything that takes place, but I mean, is there this, a spoiler for this movie? Well, in terms of like how far Brendan Gleeson goes, he goes with quite far. Like, but re- re- I mean, regardless, I, it, I can, I under, yeah, I agree with you as far as it is quite dramatic for one to do something to himself that is going to prevent him from doing the thing that he seems to be want to be doing. At the same time, it's like. I do like how that is representing just how far he needs to go to prove this point to Patrick as far as, hey, like, regardless of if he's in the right or not and whatever that's supposed to mean to begin with, like, hey, I am very much expressing to you that this is not the thing that's going to happen between us anymore. And if I have to go to the lengths of not hurting you, not hurting anyone else, but hurting myself to prove that point, I'm going to do it. And you need to listen to me about that. Yeah, that's It's a wild extreme to take. Yeah, and from a narrative standpoint, obviously something has to happen, right, in the movie for for things to continue, and I think that's a very interesting way for them to do it. Because otherwise, like if you're just saying Brendan Gleeson's character is talking about this all the time, and he never really does it, then you're just kind of going in circles for like an hour and fifty like, some odd minutes, forty some odd minutes of a movie. Well, here's the here's the thing with with Patrick, with Colin Farrell. Like, what I like about this character is how, like, the movie introduces him. And there's a rainbow over his shoulder. Like yes, this guy, yeah. like literally, like the first shot you see of him, he's smiling, and there's a rainbow behind him. <laughs> like it, like this guy seems like a guy that's on the top of his world, seems likable enough because he's Colin Hurley, he just looks like a nice guy. And then, like the way the movie like just takes him down, like scene after scene to like beat and berate everything out of him, and to get to the point where he like has to get a different zone of how to do things. 
but you still see in him it's like well, he's still a hopeful guy always like he still wants to be this optimist sure like i just and how that rubs up against this Gle- you know gleason's character like i just i just kept finding that fascinating and thinking like what was it like the day be- you know yesterday when they were still friends like what, yeah what, what was the degradation of this relationship that's actually what i like about the movie though is it just plops you into exactly yeah the day of the friendship breaking up and it doesn't really give you a whole lot because otherwise like you know i think that they talked about this in interviews as well which is uh colin more so than the mcdonough which like he he kind of feels like it doesn't it is he didn't want to give anybody like a 5149 kind of way of like oh i, I like Colin more than podrick uh or what have you but i i dig that it was just here it is slice of life you know you're just in it now um but speaking on that um, that kind of just, which is where Carrie Condon's character comes in. Like we've talked about people kind of just being bummed out or like, you know, blue and gloves. Like I, every time that she's on there on the screen and interacting with the characters in the movie, what a positive light, you know, like she and, and Colin Farrell in spirit uh, and in background are very positive, but you know, she's, she's very matter of fact. And she brings like this air of non not no nonsense yet very fair um and she's, she's I, motherly I she's despite being her his sister she's she has a motherly presence i would say yeah and also like this i guess if you want to uh extend that mothership to mothership to uh, uh also like you know a protector of sorts right because yeah Colm can be kind of like he can be kind of simple at times or as they say in the movie dull but um can we talk about colin farrell's career i'll see why not yeah I mean, I, I'm curious how you guys have seen his like back half of his career leading up to this point. Um, and it can bleed into conversation about Banshees as well. But I, I I would love to hear like what you guys thought of him before. And then there certainly seems to be like a turning point in like the 2010s where he's doing much more projects that are uh, interesting to him. Um, I'm curious where the turning point is. is maybe after he, maybe after he was bullseye. <laughs> I, don't know I mean, I, 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 I mean, yeah, around or because I argue it's around. It's you know between like the new world and in Bruges, which is mid two thousands. That's I when you're, that's when he steps away from like the, you know the blockbusters that he's doing like right. like Daredevil, like not blockbuster, but you know bigger studio films like The Recruit and like forgettable stuff where. I forgot so he, that he was in that. Like he comes out strong from like Tigerland and you know some yeah. smaller things, and he becomes like the new Hollywood it guy, right? You know, he's this handsome guy who's starring in a bunch of stuff that tends to happen, and he, you know, you you can become one of the, uh, you know, the 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 Taylor Kitches of the world, or you do something different. And like sure. he makes this pivot to more independent stuff fairly quickly. Works with good directors, yeah. And kind of and goes from there. As far as like my opinion on, like I've been a fan of Colin Farrell. I think he is a terrific actor. Um, I especially like him when he gets to play Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know these recent years in particular, where he's gotten to play a, just in a bunch of like smaller roles and supporting roles, he is just consistently great in my eyes. Like I just mm-hmm. I, even in something like The Penguin, where did we necessarily need to have an actor of his size playing a person that's much larger in makeup? I don't know, right. but the guy that I saw playing that role did a great job. Pretty good. I mean, like it's there's just there's a there's a lot of good stuff. And again, I mean, he's in Bruges is one of my favorite movies. I sure. really, I really, Seven Sacrifices on my top ten that year, and now he has this movie. Him and McDonough work well together, so I'm I, I'm big on what Colin Farrell's doing, especially when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah, the Penguin thing is pretty amazing when you consider that at one point he was being talked about for 
Bat, the original Batman versus yeah. Superman with uh-huh. Josh Gardner as Superman. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that was going to be the wow. plan at one point. And now instead of Batman, he's the Penguin, which is, you know, quite yeah. a transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and as far as like Farrell's career goes, I, I I really dig like this turn of events too, where he he knows who he is, you know, and I'm glad that he kind of escaped that, hey, you, you're going to be Hollywood's leading man. We're going to put you in Alexander and you're going to lead that movie, co-star with like some other big names. And then He's like, and then what was that? What was that remake that we didn't like, where he's got to go to Mars? Uh, Total Recall. Oh God! Like, well, no, they don't. They yeah. don't. The whole thing of that one is they don't go to Mars, which is part of the. Oh, it's it's the center of the Earth. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but uh, where where it's like, hey, you're you're the guy, you're a good looking guy, and here you are with all this charisma. It's like, yeah, but when you put him in smaller movies where he can really be an actor and show off his chops, like it actually really really works out and. You know, we After Yang is a movie that came up this year that I really enjoyed, um, and he's great in it. You know, he's been great in a lot of like smaller roles, like what you said, Aaron. So I, I, I dig that. You know, digging, putting it back into this where he is playing this character that is not very flashy. It's very, you know, his his hair is like very, like downtrodden to some degree, um, and he's got like uh, just. This is a good movie for like sad facial expression acting <laughs> um, and he's doing he's doing tremendous work so i'm glad that you know he's kind of found directors that he wants to work with or even just roles that allow him to be not not like the center not that he's not a leading man just more that i think that he does really really good work in character actor roles but also where it's in an asking ensemble him to do yeah it's asking him to do more with the part than you know say lines and shoot a gun kind of thing you know i wrote down dumbo in the notes here because he's he's one of the best parts of dumbo like the live action dumbo he's like and he's he just plays like uh like in like 10 minutes of the movie so it's pretty great i also concur that i like him when he's doing irish and i think that mm-hmm. sort of ties back to what i was going to say here which is that both podrick and colm and this are very much two common sort of irish types there's an inherent kind of a and this may have changed over the recent decades. I haven't been in Ireland in a long time, but there was always this inherent kind of sadness to everything, but everyone would either be like this bitter, angry old guy or just relentlessly optimistic despite all the sadness and despair to where it's, you know, you come out and it's pouring rain and they'll say, soft day, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they assess it. And they're, they both sort of carry off those divergent types of points of view really really well and pit them against each other and then if i don't know if you've seen nothing compares the Sinead o'connor documentary but you see how women have had it so much worse that they are oh, i'm sure they, that they are way ahead of the game like carrie Connor's character mm-hmm. and you know being tough within the house being demure and nice outside of the house and yeah. handling that dichotomy in a way that the men haven't really gotten their heads around yet and deal mostly with drinking their feelings down. So there's, there's, you know, I don't want to stereotype the entire population, but there are a lot of types that I've encountered in my life that are like these two. Sure. I mean, this movie, this, this movie certainly like it, it, it's so simple as far as it's set up where the common place everyone to meet is the pub. Like the, and there's like only two places. There's like the general store, the pub and like the dock, like that's it. (laughs) And then everybody's house. And what's great is McDonough even addresses that too. He's just like, hey man, this town is, or this this island is not, it, there's a whole not a whole lot going on and I've got all these characters that kind of just live their lives. It's very simple, but also 
yeah, Kieran Gunn's character like kind of yearns to break out, which kind of speaks to Martin McDonough's writing style and and um it's it's it is very small and tight, you know. Um like he he's able to like create crafts such beautiful like characters in these like really small like I would have I've never heard heard of Ebbing, Missouri. Like, but you know, to have a, a character come out of that and just be like, well, here we go. Um, I'm gonna make these characters that live in like these really weird small towns and and you're going to be able to follow their story because there's always a story to tell which I, I always dig about mcdonough what i like even further on this movie is that it's set in 1923 which i right. it took me a second to realize that it's a period film i just didn't like it didn't click to me i just figured oh, they're on the yeah it took island. me a little bit too and yeah, then i was it like doesn't necessarily need to be <laughs> it, it doesn't but i and i but it's like well let's get rid of all the distractions right let's get rid of phones yeah. let's get rid of anything mm -hmm. else so it can focus purely on these characters and i thought that's a really wise choice and right. you get the benefit of framing it around the irish civil war if you want to if you want to like really delve into you know where that plays in the background so it's just i i just thought it was a clever touch to be like yeah let's make it a period film so we can just restrict certain things and sure. then you talk about it you talk about like the emptiness in the lives of these people in this island that's also what i like about the cinematography like you get these beautiful shots of the land it's one of the other <laughs> it's one of the actual islands in ireland that they filmed it at, and right. On the one hand, it's you know it's gorgeous cinematography and the Car Carter Burrell score is great as usually is. It, it really is. Yeah. Uh, but you also think there is nothing here. Like this is a barren landscape when yeah. you look at it. There's <laughs> there's nothing going on here except you know a few people walking everywhere and animals. By the way, Jenny the donkey, donkey of the year. Uh, uh, I wanted to ask you guys about the animal acting, <laughs> but um, but but just yeah, I I really appreciate how it's setting up like you know, this, this interesting juxtaposition as far as like, you're dealing with these wonderful landscapes. Also, it's, it, it, it enhances the loneliness that you're supposed, I think you're supposed mm -hmm. to feel involving, you know, each of these characters in different lights. And I think that's how it kind of feels living in a small town, you know, it's, it's like beautiful rural vistas, but not much to do. And a lot of closed-minded people, and you're not going to break the system. If you don't like it, you, your only option is to move. And so mm -hmm. the idea that someone breaks up with you essentially is like that can be devastating if it's like one of the only things in your yeah. life it, it's like it it, it it could have been your whole life you know what i mean and then all of a sudden it just changes which i think again is very fascinating position with with carrie condon's character and then i i mean this goes to the the beautiful mode of the movie where i i love when there's like a letter being read to uh patrick character and kind of just what it's asking him to do asking him to be who him uh, for him to be and he he writes back too but you know there's there's a lot of layers to this movie in my opinion he, sure. he writes back in a way that delivers certain information but not all the information right. which i found yeah again just yeah interesting character work as far as yeah. like what he what we're trying to what we can take away from what he's choosing to communicate right now i'm sitting here next to you and if you're going back inside i'm following you inside and if you're going home i'm following you there too now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. And if I've said something to you, maybe I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it, but I don't think I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it. But if I did, then tell me what it was. And I'll say sorry for that too, Colin. With all my heart, I'll say sorry. Just stop running away from me like some fool of a moody schoolchild. But you didn't say anything to me. And you didn't do anything to me. Well, that's what I was thinking, like. I just don't like you no more. You do like me. I don't. You liked me yesterday. Oh, did I? Yeah. 
I thought you did. How about Brendan? We haven't talked about Brendan Gleeson too much. What do you guys think of Brendan Gleeson in, in this movie? I mean, he's great. What can yeah. I say? Yeah. There, I mean, again, he brings like the sense of seriousness, but also he's got this. It's weird because there, there's like a moment in this movie where uh, he helps Colin Farrell get back up on his cart after. It's a wonderful moment. I, I really it's like a wonderful that. moment. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's no talking. Because Colin Farrell understands the assignment of, hey, if I talk, then my friend's going to maybe hurt himself. But it's such a wonderful moment and so tender. And I was just like really sad by it. And then, you know, like Brendan Gleeson just just doing marvelous things on the screen here. Uh, you know, he could be mean uh, and he could be gruff. But we've seen we've seen that he he has a lot of uh, sides to him, too. And it's weird because um, I think that he certainly has like this yearning to be remembered. Um and I don't know if that speaks to kind of just, again, the despair that he talks about, but it's also just, I love Podrick's stance on it too. It's like, you don't have to be mean to, you know, you could, you could be nice still and be remembered. Um, and it, it's got a, it's got a few uh, different points of view, which I appreciate. I was surprised that he wasn't just a hard ass from the get go. Like after watching the trailer, the fact that, I sort of thought that there was this was going to be a big comedy about oh he doesn't get an explanation he gets you know he gives an explanation fairly early on about why he feels the way he does and that mm-hmm. an unexpected development because I thought they were going to mine the humor from Colin Farrell not being able to figure it out but mm-hmm. he does figure it out fairly quickly he just can't do anything about it and mm-hmm. that it's a tough it would have been easy to play column is just a hard ass and there are a lot more layers to it than that which i appreciate i've got a question for you guys about the um she's not really like the witch of the island but she's kind of just like the old person she's a banshee (laughs) she's the banshee Banshee, yeah (laughs) and you know barry keoghan's character of dominic finds like his her stick one day um and just i i love what he says about the stick which is like it's the length of a stick with a hook on it and i was like you fucking idiot what he says he says he says what what do you think it's for Hooking things. Yeah. <laughs> but what did you guys think of better, her? Better like a stick uh, length away from you or something. Like yeah, stick, exactly. A stick length of it. I was like, you fucking idiot. But um, yeah, what did you guys think of, of her? Because she seems to be the most theatrical uh, character, you know, in terms of like an, an onstage presence kind of thing. It, well, I, I like that they didn't make her. It, there, There's a plausible explanation for her. She's yeah. a metaphorical banshee. and. Sure. Uh, no, I like I like the I like the balance there because there are, you know, in small towns there are these crazy weird old people that people are just like oh that's just you know that's just them <laughs> they're just this <laughs> just this weird person who we see and you know we don't really know what their deal is but they've been here forever. But between what, between this and the Cohen or just Joel Cohen's um, tragedy Macbeth last year, it's a good time for. Uh, directors utilizing old figures serving as some kind of chorus really well <laughs> like there's just i really like what they do with the witches last year i right. like the way that mrs o'reardon mrs Re- uh, like comes into play in the ways that you're describing luke where yes it makes like sense in it but also there's this this kind of not necessarily like a dark omen associated with it but there's certainly this kind of you know the the mood seems to change specifically when it's just like a, she's more in the background as opposed to directly interacting like mm-hmm. there's a there's a scene where a character is waving goodbye to another character 
beautiful shot and you can and suddenly you can just see mrs o'reardon's also in the frame and it's like oh that's disturbing (laughs) there's just something there that's just like not right yeah it it doesn't sit right because there's a lot of again facial acting uh in this movie so really well done um uh, well you kind of spoiled your uh your animal acting part but there's other animals in this movie too. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a good dog. There's a good sheep dog in this movie. <laughs> yeah. That's also like, you know, a, a big horse and some some uh some cows. Uh, but I thought that Jenny was such a, a nice character and I really dig that that Podrick really uh, cares for his animals and aims them, takes really good care of them and you know, uh, it, it's sad at times when things have to happen. I actually did some reading up on banshees for this, and one of the interesting mm-hmm. things is they're derived from actual like professional whalers who used to exist and be paid for their services to cry when someone dies in the family or when someone's dying. But because they so often took payment in alcohol, they were dubbed sinners by the church, <laughs> and the stigma was created, and they became these like awful fairies in popular mythology, mm-hmm. which is... I, I found interesting. There's a very, just the relationship to drink in the Irish communities there is that it becomes this sinful stigma, but it's also the pub is where everyone gathers and it's the yeah. social spot. So, but of yeah. course, if it's women who are drinking, that's the, that's the sin. Probably it's the women. It's because it was women who were drinking as opposed to men. Meanwhile, my head's playing like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, or it's like Caleb Andy Jones played Banshee in first class and he was in three billboards of Missouri. <laughs> Boom. Uh what do you guys think of the the awards watch for this movie? Uh, what categories do you guys think this might be be nominated for? Uh Kate Barry Kagan, I would like to see. I think he's probably he, wow. he's the one that comes to the top of my list from this. Uh for supporting, um, obviously. Yeah. I I would I would agree with him as far as like he's very he's effective in everything he's doing here and it's like that's the kind of role that you could give a supporting nomination to and feel justified mm-hmm. by it being exactly that a supporting nomination. Um, I do think this is I mean in a year where Colin Farrell's been delivering nonstop great stuff I do think this is a, if there is a reason to give him his first Academy Award nomination this would be a good one. Um, just yeah. b- between the collection of things he's done this year and the fact that he's great in this movie, um, mm-hmm. that serves very well. Um, I mean, the you know, there's there's most cinematography and like you know how big you do if you're scored, what have you. But I do think this is a great looking film and is the kind of thing where not all the nominations always rely on the ones that are like you know shot in black and white or use long takes or what have you. Some are just like just you know aesthetically pleasing given the movie and the atmosphere that you're going for so i do think there's a world where this you know puts up in those kind of technical categories as well yeah i think the technicals is kind of where i'm leaning to um and the screenplay obviously screen yeah i was gonna say screenplay is actually really really good too again costume design um carrie condon would be like would be somebody that i would not be surprised or i'd be really happy if she got a supporting nod but who knows I, i don't even know how how the field looks and also we've got a month and a half before like things start getting heavy and we've got some heavy hitters coming up in the next couple of weeks here. So who knows, but yeah, yeah I, I can certainly see a lot of potential for this movie for sure. And actually having said Kagan, I just, it just occurred to me that because 
it has two male leads. They'll probably push Gleason for supporting. Gleason, so that may, yeah. Interesting. That may yeah. shut Kagan out completely, but not for critics groups like mine or yours. There you so go. Fair. There's, there's possible for the critics to rally. Fair enough. But I also just think it's further proof that Barry Kagan has plenty of room to keep expanding on the stuff he's yeah. been doing because I do think he's generally a really good actor. I've he's really, been so good. I've really like everything. Yeah, we we loved uh, the Green Knight, and he plays like a, like a such a dick character in that. Um, but then he's, you know. I, I, I would have never guessed this from a guy that I saw, like, give a little smirk and want to get on a boat with uh, Mark Rylance in in Dunkirk. He's I for, completely forgot. But like there's the Yorgos Lathamos films. There's with Colin Farrell with the lobster and killing of a sacred deer, which he's which Barry Keegan. Both? Does, he, well, he's in he's in killing of a sacred deer, oh, okay. um, which is which he's he's creepy in by yeah. for necessary reasons. Um, so I yeah, no, I. I I, I I've liked seeing him in things. I look forward to seeing him in more stuff. And I, you know, the, the doors seem to be quite open for him to continue delivering since he's such a he has a very specific face, uh, which can go a long way. Yeah, so. I was gonna say like like his attribute to me is like he, he's such a chameleon. Like he's able to like really give a, whatever he might need for the role. Um, in everything that he does. I mean, uh, Luke, you mentioned the Eternals earlier. It's like he is certainly one of my favorite characters from the Eternals in terms of just what he how he thinks about the powers that he has and also what he's trying to do with it and where he goes uh, in the movie so yeah um anything else on the, i think we talked a lot about varying things here i'm trying to have my notes uh, yeah. all right that might be it fair enough okay uh when should people go and see the banshees of inna sharon uh luke when should people see this movie well considering we you know spoiled brendan gleason's whole deal uh <laughs> did we <laughs> don't worry about spoilers uh, i'd say anytime i don't know that this has to be a big screen viewing but uh if i think if you think you're gonna like this you probably will so uh you know if you think you're gonna like it go out and go see it as you know as soon as you can there you go Abe. yeah this is a theater movie for me go check it out i i saw it for a second time yesterday with my dad and he his yeah, it's movie corner the, the highest mark of approval that he tends to give a movie is I could have watched that for another hour, which he did say after watching this movie. And wow. um, I, I I can agree with him as far as just being in this place, um, regardless of the darkness that comes with the film, I think just the, the fascination with these characters and just being part of their lives for a little bit of time mm-hmm. uh, speaks to how good this movie is at, you know, accomplishing what it needs to, to get across the drama involved in the relationships here, what have you. Uh, so with that in mind, yes, I'd say see it in a theater. It's great. It, it does, it, it does McDonough things. It does them very well. Um, it has great performances. It has stuff that I like to see in this kind of movie. Um, yeah. And it looks wonderful. So, yeah. Uh, I love when you said it does McDonough things. I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's, it's not even like a secret, but it's more, it's like, Mm, I dig it. <laughs> but you dance with your dog. Um, all right. So <laughs> that's our thoughts on the Banshees of Inna Sharon. Cool. Let's move on now. Let uh hold on. What um what time is it here, Abe? Aaron, it might be time for a quick game. Little known fact, that's actually the bell that rings on Jenny's uh, little necklace, but they are like, it's too long. We just need to have a little simple, a simple little tingling. <laughs> That that's exactly what that is. Yeah. Um, I love that. All... I love that. Like all of my stories involve Aaron getting Hollywood jobs, and they're just like it's too good. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to cut it out. From I'm holding out for the right one. That's all. Yeah. Or or we can't pay him, so we cut it. <laughs> it's a searchlight film. They Keep don't have trying, a, you know, Aaron. They don't Keep have trying. a huge budget. 
Um, that was, of course, the improv theme for games, and I have a game for you guys this week. Nice. It is alternative movie titles, aka Kiss Me on Irish. Um, <laughs> this is the alternative movie titles game. It is focused entirely on Irish films. I'm going to read you alternative movie titles that I've made up in place okay. of the actual title of various movies that all have Irish origins involved in them. Alternative movie title. These are all Irish movies? These are all Irish movies with okay. new right, titles that I've hard. just created. Uh, Luke, I feel like you're going to do pretty well here. Buddy. We'll see. We'll see. We'll if you, see. Think, if you right. think you know the answer, buzz in with your name and say the answer. Okay. Here's the first one. Violent Weekend. Ooh, Luke. Hmm. Luke. Is this in Bruges? Incorrect. Think. Violent Weekend? Yes. Oh, Abe. Abe. Bloody Sunday. Bloody Sunday is the correct yes. answer. Luke, when I say alternative movie titles, I am very specifically saying alternate movie titles. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Basically, like uh, just a synonym, synonym movie title. I, I will, okay. I'll put it. It is very much trying to be as easy as possible when it comes to okay. this. It's more for the sake of my own dumb sense of humor than it is for thematically interesting titles that would tie into the movies. I got it, but I'm not sure I'll do any better. But we'll, well here we go. Here's the next. Here's the next one. A single occurrence. A single. Occurrence. Oh, Luke. Luke. Once. Once is the oh, correct answer. <laughs> that's a, that's a good one, Aaron. Good job <laughs> on that one. What yeah. if you walked in a movie called? Oh, you want to see a single occurrence? I wouldn't go see it. <laughs> What's it about? Too complicated. You, you know, it's a guitar player and he meets a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the next one. Starved. Abe. Abe. I think it's called Hunger. It is Hunger. Okay, that is correct with Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Here's, here's the next one. His other leg. Luke. Luke. My left foot. My left foot is the correct answer. It's so dumb. I mean, I, I guess it works. That could be the sequel. My left foot too. His other leg. His other leg. How's he doing? Well, you know, he gets around. Uh, here's the next one. The Devoteds. I'm sorry, what? The Devoteds. Hmm. The Devoteds. Gosh. Um, hmm. This is a musical film. The Devoteds? Not necessarily musical, right, right, but a right. film featuring lots of music. Oh, Luke. Luke? The Commitments. The Commitments oh, is no, correct. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Good job, Luke. Here's the next one. Okay. Angie's Remains. Luke. <laughs> Luke. Angela's ashes. Angela's ashes. I mean, I just had to laugh first. <laughs> not, not, not a very funny movie, but yeah. <laughs> not funny enough. It's what people said. <laughs> Here's the next one. Song Road. Luke. Luke. Sing Street. Sing Street is the correct answer. <laughs> you should. We should have written that movie. <laughs> Got to drive it like you stole it. Here's the next one. The Protector. Not to be confused with Tony Jaws, the protector. Uh, the protector, an Irish movie? Oh. Maybe <laughs> hmm. you like this movie. Uh, I like this movie? Yes, you do. Oh, no. I'm going to be so mad when I hear it. The protector. What, is a, what does a protector do? They protect. Nailed that one. Yeah. <laughs> For $500, what else do they do? <laughs> um, 
Man, I'm trying to think of like an alternate movie title that has. That I can is... think. I can think of ones, but I don't see the Irish connection, so I'm not sure. Any guess is better than mine. It features one of the actors in the Banshees of Inisherin. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm it's, going through like a huge roll of decks right now. It's written and directed by the brother of the director of Banshees oh, of Inisherin. Uh, 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 Abe. Abe. I mean that that brother clue is big. It's um, like it's got Brendan. It's the policeman. <laughs> Not quite. Fuck. Luke for the steal. The guard. The guard. Ah! <laughs> Damn you, Harry Styles. <laughs> My policeman. <laughs> Here's the well, next actually, one. guard is the Irish word for policeman. So. <laughs> See, wow, I, I got it. It's funny how I did not know that, despite loving that movie, and now I'm just hearing that for the first it time. It is a good movie. It's got Don Cheadle in it, <laughs> and and Mark Strong as a oh as a I don't care anymore hitman. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the next one. All right, doing this for Dad. Ooh, Luke. Luke. In the name of the father. In the name of the father. Damn. That, that one took me the longest to think of for some reason. Doing this for dad? Doing this for dad. In the name of the father. It sounds like an ice cube comedy. Yeah. <laughs> doing this for dad. Yeah. Are are we still here? Colin, doing this for dad. <laughs> Here's the next one. Two more. Okay. A weeping puzzle. Luke. Luke. The crying game. The crying game. Oh, correct. okay. I was like, a simple game? And the last one, okay. the breeze that moved the grass. Luke. Abe? Luke. I want to hear if Abe knows it. The wind in the willows? Incorrect. Luke, what is it? Is it the wind that moves the barley? The wind that shakes the barley. Oh, all right. Well, you know, two two of those toads could have been Irish. Well, two of those points were yours, Abe. But Luke, you 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 championed this game all the way through here with a, with a strong win. Uh, congratulations. Good job. You're the winner this week. Good job, Luke. For uh, alternative movie titles, Kiss Me, I'm Irish edition. That was a good one. What was, I, hope uh... I, pro- I hope I provoke no ire by doing so. <laughs> <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. Uh, what was that one that we really enjoyed? It was like one of the earlier ones. Um, Which one? A single occurrence? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, one. That was a good that was Very clever. Good job. <laughs> I had to hold off from so many because they're just too like obscure. <laughs> like, he, yeah. like I figure Luke will know some of his Irish movies, but even then, it's like this is just weird to say like do synonyms <laughs> for some of these. <laughs> A single occurrence, man. Good job, Luke. I'm picking up that that one. <laughs> All right, let's All move right. on now. That was good. Let's get to some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various question and answers on the Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash/outnowpodcast. We asked a number of questions to listeners, and then gate we got a question this week for us as well. So awesome, uh, Luke. Feel free to join in of any uh, answers you might have for any of the questions we go through here. Yeah, first question here is: What are your favorite films set in and around Ireland? Chris has Grabbers, The Commitments. Oh, and I have to mention Gorgo. Uh, Philip has so many. Uh, he adds seventy-one. The Wind That Shakes the Barley, you know, which Luke just got. Uh, in the name of the father, which Luke also doing it, got, doing it for dad. Yeah, and hunger, which is what I got. Uh, Christopher writes the Quiet Man. Keith writes the Crying Game. My left foot, circle of friends. Uh, Ondine, uh, dancing in Lunasa. Lunasa. There you go. Uh, Waking Ned Divine and Handsome Devil. Now, 
so I could choose basically which of us goes first on these. I generally do you, but I very purposely did it for you because I just wanted to hear you say these. You want to hear me pronounce it? Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I like that. <laughs> I've been to Ireland. <laughs> I really like Waking Dead Divide. I've seen it once, but I just remember really liking that movie. That was like the lottery ticket one, right? Yeah, it's that. Yeah. 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 Pretty fun. Man, it was after a screening of Waking Ned Divine that Chris Catan got mad at me and threatened to kill me when I worked at the Sunset. What? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Forky Romano? <laughs> yep. None of that's funny, but I'm laughing. <laughs> that that happened. Um, that's, that's a weird threat. <laughs> it is weird, but I will remember it because it was like Thanksgiving night, 1998. <laughs> if, oh, if my, my gosh. If my is correct. Because uh, I was working Thanksgiving night and me and one other guy and yeah that was the thing i'm pretty sure it was him anyway it was either him or someone who looked and sounded exactly like him so <laughs> okay discovering oh, my legal it. bases there but maybe, uh, maybe I, it was uh what's his name uh what's the fucking thing the ape, the ape thing he plays <laughs> uh, <Mr>. peepers <laughs> peepers uh, yeah maybe it was peepers <laughs> I, I, anyway as far as irish films i'm going to throw in neil jordan's the company of wolves which is not uh, as well remembered as it should be but i think it's coming out on 4k pretty soon it is so yeah from screen factory yeah, yeah it's going to get a bit of a revival that is that was one of those that i was too young to see at the time but my dad came home and told me all about it and told me like the guy rips off his skin and then his face extends and then he grows wolf skin. I was like, Oh my Whoa. God, Gotta see it. never going to be able to see <laughs> yeah. this. That sounds so cool. And then eventually yeah. I did. And it was pretty cool. Uh, I, I, for, I always in... forgot that that's a Neil Jordan film. <laughs> it's just like, so... Neil. Uh, I'm going to throw in a, you mentioned earlier seeing street, but also um, uh, Saoirse Ronan's movie, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, which I guess is more New York than than Ireland, but she's got to go back. Or they they got to Ireland. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a it's an Irish film. <laughs> yeah, it counts in America. Counts also, which I'm not a fan of. But hmm. wow, not an America fan. Eh? No. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, um, um a single occurrence, of course. Uh, hmm. Once is a. Really, <laughs> once is weird because it's it's pretty good. Once like, is it's a film where. I absolutely hated the trailer because it just looked like Sundance bullshit to me. And I was like completely uh-huh. won over by actually seeing the movie. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it a really good movie. It really yeah. pulled it off for me as far as turning me entirely around based off of the yeah. impression I was getting. And from. then he continued to make more music movies and they're all pretty okay. I think we really like Sing Street. I think Begin Again's fine. Yeah. Begin Again is the Mark Ruffalo one, right? Yeah. And then Nightly yeah. and Trin True Grit, Haley Seinfeld. Uh, that's her name, right? Did you did you call her True Grit? Yeah, Mrs. Grit. Okay. Um, <laughs> next question we have here: What's your favorite Brendan Gleeson role? Philip Wright's Calvary. Chris has oh. In Bruges, and Yancey Burns, friend of the show, has The General. Not to be confused with the Buster Keaton From... film, but the <laughs> 1998 English film, The General. Ah, uh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. That was his real breakthrough film, I think. That's the first yeah. one I remember. Yeah, it's like an early one yeah. for him, for sure. Uh, Paddington too. He's great in it. Oh, Knuckles, of course. How could I forget? Yeah, he he gets his uh, you know, his clothes get dyed pink. Um, I I am big on In Bruges. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I do. I mean, that's great to me. A uh, good pointing out Calvary, which is a very good movie for also from John Martin McDonough. Great poster. Or not Martin, John Michael, John Michael McDonough. Uh, um, yeah, his brother. And honestly, of the McDonough films between the two brothers, I thought Banshee's Vanish Sharon had the most in common with Calvary. I thought I found I found a lot of like mm-hmm. connecting strands between those two movies. There you go. 
Uh, I got a question here. What is wait, 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 Luke, did, Luke, I, did I, you I was going to say, I do like his role in the franchise that we don't like anymore. Oh, um, Mad-Eye Moody, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's great in that. Yeah. He got paid uh, just the same as uh, being locked in the, the little uh, um, locket? I don't even know what that place is. Shoebox? I don't know. Uh, you should know these better than I do. <laughs> I know. I, feel I remember like he has me. a mad eye. It, it, it's a trunk. Yeah, he gets locked in a trunk. That's he what has it. a mad well, eye. He, and he says, oh, you got to watch out, yeah. Harry. And it's like, oh, doesn't Hagrid say that? It's like, yeah, but I Technically, say Technically, that's actually not really mad eye saying it. That's uh, Oh, yeah, you got me guy. there. Yeah, so he's good at the clone as well. You know? yeah, exactly, yeah. He's playing two roles, guys. Uh, <laughs> well, the next question here is, what are some great films about friends coming apart? Uh, Brandon Peters' friend of the show has Spectre. Uh, Eric Olson has Superbad. Philip has A Brighter Summer Day and Never Let Me Go. And Chris has The Deer Hunter. Those are some very specific answers that I like quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. I thought about Never Let Me Go, but Never Let Me Go is interesting one. I I, I, would, I would love to exp- have Philip expand more on that, but um, I, mean, I can see the friendships breaking, but it's also yeah. like it's it makes sense with like what they are in the movie. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would add in The Fox and the Hound. There you go. Okay. Ghost World. Oh, that's yes. a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's a great example. I should revisit that movie. That's a good movie. Um, it's fun to revisit like the the recent DVD that the recent Blu-ray that has all the extras because it sort of happened in real life how everyone oh. loves Scarlett Johansson and not Thora Birch. And you watch the interviews now, and Thora Birch is still the most compelling of the two in their interviews, and she seems yeah. like you know by far the coolest one. But Scarlett was the more conventionally beautiful one, and she became the star. So it sort of echoes the struggle that's in the movie. It was perfect in that sense. Makes me sad all over again, man. <laughs> Anything from you, Aaron? I, I just have Steve Buscemi in 30 Rock GIF in my mind now. Oh, um, I, I thought you meant from <laughs> uh, from Billy Madison or something. And I was like, what? Oh, they came back together. Yeah, they um, came back together. Cross the name off that the list. Friends that come up. I don't know. Civil War. Uh, I'll think of something better. Hey, um, <laughs> Batman uh, v Superman. Batman no. Superman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's dangerous, Alfred. Uh, fa- uh, the fate of the Furious. Dom has to leave for a while. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know what, Mikey and Nikki? How about that? Mikey and Nikki. Peter Fair Falk one. and uh, and Cassavetes. You should uh, done it in your Peter Falk voice. <laughs> I don't have a Peter Falk. One more it's, thing. It's, it's a it's a Columbo voice. <laughs> the original Mad Eye Moody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next question we have here: Name your favorite films that are set in small, isolated towns. Scott has Psycho, A Simple Plan, Sling Blade, Tremors, Straw Dogs, Fargo, No Country for Old Men, and an obscure one that I love: Mind Walk with Sam Waterston, Liv Ullman, and John Hurd. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Wow. Philip has It's a Wonderful Life and Hot Fuzz. Todd <laughs> Liebenau, friend of the show, writes Groundhog Day. Uh, and Chris has 30 Days of Night. Ooh. Favorite film set in small, isolated towns. Um, Beauty and the Beast. You know, she's got to get out of that small provincial town. <laughs> <laughs> where's I the mean, full, South where's... Park. The South yeah. Park begins with a song about, thank God we live in this little yeah, that's small true. mountain town. <laughs> Where's the full Monty set? Is that like in a small like English town? Is that the idea? Yeah, that would count. Yeah, then that movie. Sure. That movie's great. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at you choosing a real answer. <laughs> you had real answers. That's me to be a good answer. You guys just chose billboards, of course. You just chose a movie with, uh, with billboard. Yeah, ebbing. <laughs> yeah, yes. 
<laughs> so I, I, you know, I watched all of McDonough's films like over the past week um, in uh-huh. preparation for this. I'm just a big fan, but like I really like I, I really like billboards. I've never not been against it. Luke, are you mm-hmm. a billboards fan? Yes. I just is it just like the Oscars just inspire certain like impassioned bouts of hatred because. I just really like that movie, and I'm watching it now. I'm like, wow, is there so much backlash against billboards? This is such a good movie. I don't. I think did Rockwell, did Rockwell win for that movie or no? Rockwell won. Yeah, he won. Okay, I think it's part of the thing of you know needing a movie to absolutely hit you over the head, condemning the bad characters, and the fact that you have any sympathetic any sympathy at all for a racist character uh-huh. is so bad that that's the in some people's eyes that that's where the backlash came from that's as far as i'm aware i mean you know there's also nick cersei's in it and he's a major asshole right-wing troll but uh, <laughs> i just you know, i'm just like watching it like from the get-go i'm just so in and there's like just these wonderful dialogue exchanges throughout that movie there's like a whole yeah. sequence of mcdormand and harold's a number it of also gets very tense at the end there with like an actual investigation yeah it's just I don't know. I yeah. it was in my top three of that year. It remain would remain there now. I think it's just great. But anyway, yeah. there's a dislike of complexity in, in a lot of quarters. Where and, and like if, messy if somebody characters. has too many negative qualities, then you're not allowed to like them, or they can't be outweighed by the positives or whatever. So I think I really think that's where it's coming from. And I'm I not mean, saying that's necessarily good or bad. Some people can come from a you know a real place, but of that. But I you know. As with everything, it's there are shades of gray, and I think we can yeah. discuss that. Yeah. McDonough's only got like five or six movies. How would you rate them, rank them? Um, Billboards is like your top two. Bruges is one. Billboards uh-huh. is second. I, I have to see Banshees more, but it's between mm-hmm. that and Seven Psychopaths. I mean, they're got just it. like all of these are excellent in my mind <laughs> like, yeah. so it's it's you know it's a lot of splitting hairs but like if you put if you put these in front of me i'd be like i'm choosing in bruges to watch right, right away that, that's how i put it seven psychopaths to me is not on the same level as the rest um i can fun, understand but, that it's, it's more, I, I don't yeah. feel like all its conceits work um not that it's not fun it is and i got to interview christopher walken and sam rockwell together which was wow. the, a career highlight to be in the same room with those two and yeah. have them riff on each other. But uh, the, the thing with me in that movie is that I think Walken is at his best in it. Like it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know where it just comes out of nowhere, but just like of all movies, like, you know, decades removed from his, you know, landmark historic, you know, legendary performances. It's like, he just out of nowhere comes into seven, seven psychopaths and it's just absolutely terrific in it. So it's just, mm-hmm. that just got me. It won me over. And one thing he said when I talked to him is that, you know, one of the things he's always wanted to do in a movie is when someone orders him to do something to just say, no, I don't uh-huh. want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was just kind of like something he always felt he wanted to see and wanted to do. And he got to do it. Yeah. Well, what's you your go. favorite that- of McDonough's? Oh God. I, th- I mean, it's, I think it's a tie between in Bruges and three billboards. I think on, I yeah. think, on any given time one could top the other um mm-hmm. the more i think about the more i think three billboards is probably a better movie but in bruges might be more fun so it's tough. I, hear, I hear what you're saying there yeah i mean i feel that way with like directors where i think one of them is their best movie and then another one is like their most accomplished movie um so, you yeah. can see it as they evolve like watching banshee right. it's like it's a it's you could between that but after watching in bruges again and watching this like you can clearly see how mcdonough's stepped up as a filmmaker right. exactly since in the, you yeah. know the years since yeah um 
cool tangent. Next question here. What are some very who are some very needy cinematic characters? Chris has Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. Really, <laughs> really on the nose there, my guy. Uh, and Philip has Buddy in Elf. Yeah. Needy cinematic characters. Is Bob and what about Bob? Bob yes, yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, that, that's, a, that's the winner, right? I there. mean, that's almost like a horror movie. Is is John Candy needy in playing trains and automobiles? No, I think he's lonely. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. I don't I, I strike just... that from the record. <laughs> Cause I, you know, he he's 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 overly annoying only because he's just he just needs somebody to, to hear him out. You know, is is Cameron needy in Ferris Bueller? <laughs> no, because he has to be forced into everything. That's true too. Let me just go through let me just go through all the John Hughes. I'll go, I'll go. Let me just go through all the John Hughes. Is uh Anthony Michael Hall needy <laughs> in uh, <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Snarf Cinematic and Thundercats. Snarf. <laughs> <laughs> um needy characters i mean shoot who who who's so needy that i'm just like get him Rob, out of here robin seems pretty needy um from batman yeah sure <laughs> okay uh yeah sure why not i i can't think of anything top of my head for this one i mean if we're doing superheroes we go back to Haley steinfeld and hawkeye she's kind of needy <laughs> oh, this is great um, all right. Next question we have here. Name some performers who have never been nominated for an Oscar, but deserve it. And for what film? Oh. Philip has, of all things, Elle Fanning had the best child acting performance I've ever seen in Super 8. Is that Lex Ever, Philip? Ever? Wow. I mean, uh, all right. Uh, Any performers other who have been never, never nominated. Never nominated for an Oscar. Oh, that, that's, that's very narrow. Okay. Never nominated, but sh- but deserve and deserve to win. Whoa, that's not necessarily win, but just like you know, is there a film in mind that you have? Sure. Like I would say, well, like Dora Lindo could have should have been nominated for the Five Bloods and should have won for that matter. But you know, that's me. So I thought that he did not get nominated. I, is the answer to that? Oh wow, yeah, he he was really good. He carried that. I mean, he carried the emotional weight of that movie. That was a weird one because he seemed like he was going to be the sure thing that year. And it yeah, <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> Has Michael Keaton been nominated? Was he nominated for Birdman? He was, he was nominated. He was nominated twice, I think, at this point now. Yeah, and uh, then he had to put away his Oscar speech. Remember? Yeah, he, he did not. He did not win, but yeah, he was nominated. Um, I've got a look of a list here, which feels like cheating. No, I'm pretty. You just name some actors. I'm good. At, I'm good at this. <laughs> oh, I did, I've never known that Steve Buscemi was never nominated, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah, there's no specific thing. jim carrey i thought that he got nominated for no he that, won that he won he like the, the majestic he won, he won bet no he not for that at all he won back-to-back golden globes for the truman show and man in the moon but got nominated for neither movie wow okay or john goodman's never been nominated no there you I would go add that's him an atrocity that answer yeah. the question john there goodman Jeez. Oh, there you go what that's surprising. He's such a good character actor. People thought uh, Cloverfield Lane might have pushed him over the top, but now mm-hmm. it <laughs> Wow. This list he, is, is pretty incredible. John Donald Sutherland has been, never been... That's crazy. I'm, I'm, wow. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Well, the last question here is a question for all of us here on the panel today. Movies, <laughs> films, and flicks asks us... So that's Mark sing- Hoffmeyer. That's friend of the oh, show, Mark Hoffmeyer. Yeah, friend of the show, Mark Hoffmeyer uh, asks us... Sing Street or that thing you do? That's a good question. There, 
I mean, yeah. as, as as much as I like Sing Street, and I do, and I listen to that soundtrack often. Yeah, that thing you do rules. <laughs> I have a huge that thing you do. Fan. That's where I'm leaning as well. I, I I mean, I just love the the up and down of that entire band, the O'Neaters, um, <laughs> in that thing you do, and it's it's such a like it gave me it gave me a slice of of uh, understanding of Tom Hanks's directing style, and he's never done directing since. Well, yeah, it's just been bad. That's the, no. that's the, that's the difference. Like, I'm sorry. He, yeah, he directed something like fairly recently. Right? We did Larry Crown, which I think is god awful. Um, <laughs> that's probably what made him stop. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I would go with that thing you do. I mean, it's such a, it's such a like a, a it's a niche story, yet like very like uh, broad too, of like a one hit wonder band kind of thing, and kind of sad what happens to them. So yeah. I haven't actually seen that thing you do, no. sacrilege, oh, but. This. Sing Street, minus perhaps the concert at the end, is the closest representation of the schools I attended in Ireland that I've hmm. ever seen on screen. So well, I would go. probably go with it regardless. That's interesting to note. I I, I wasn't aware of how authentic was, it was, but that's, yeah. uh, that's neat. I don't know. Luke was just wearing wool coats and smoking cigarettes on the street. It had to wear black <laughs> listen shoes. To, listen to Depeche Mode. I never smoked cigarettes. I always say, but everyone else did. I, there you go, yeah. You were, always, you were the yeah you were you were thinking about your lungs. That's good. Well, right. I never got past the age where you hate the smell of it. I never thought, I never got, I never got past the revulsion yeah. of how horrible it was that every grown up did it. Yeah, and we fair. Had smoking sections everywhere, so you couldn't get away from it at all. That that is exactly the boat that I am in, despite not being in Ireland. That is that is a strong component in the fact that I, <laughs> in in why I never smoked. Um, beyond the I don't lack, smoke either. Beyond the lack of appeal in any way to me, but regardless. I've, uh, seen, well, I've seen smokers long. It's not pleasant. Oh, God, no. Uh, with all that said, Luke, definitely recommend that thing you do. That's just a pleasant movie. Much yeah, like check Sing it Street. out whenever you have time. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't like the song very much, but maybe it's maybe it's better in the context. Hey, maybe you do get to see the construction of it. Yeah, I, mean, that, I was like, you're going to hear it over and over again in the beginning for like, you know, the first riff of it for like, you know, 15 minutes of the movie. But yeah, it gets better. Uh, well, with all that said, that's not our feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now Theron Ape. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write reviews for Leave Entertainment and Why So Blue. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash wallersmoose. Hashtag, are you rowing again? <laughs> Luke Thompson, where can people find more of you online? Well, I normally I recommend my Twitter handle, but I'm not sure Twitter's going to exist in a week with the way it's going. <laughs> Um, I, it's L-Y-T rules, L-Y-T-R-U-L-E-S is my Twitter handle. Also my Instagram. My Instagram is just mostly pictures of toys and cats. Uh, I write for uh, the AV Club, for Slash Film, for Superhero Hype, for Films Gone Wild, and for Synagogues.com. And you can look for my name there. But, you know, you can also find Luke Y. Thompson on Rotten Tomatoes, and that has links to everything as well. So either Rotten Tomatoes or Twitter is really the best way. Great. Awesome. You can find all the other episodes of Out and Out Therapy on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnotpodcasts at gmail.com. Or write on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnotpodcast. Or you can perhaps tweet at us uh, at twitter.com slash outnot underscore podcast. And of course, there's our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnot underscore podcast as well. Keep up with all our episode postings and what have you. Uh, Luke, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Luke. Happy to do it. That's I'm crazy busy schedule but i'm glad to make time <laughs> well glad glad it all worked out yeah 
Uh, let's see. Next week we are talking. That's right. Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Wow, uh, so already. Uh huh. So stay tuned for that. Um, but that's gonna go for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye.